Welcome to the Rich World Podcast, episode 109 with Kathy Freston. But before we get into it, sponsor yourself, people. Today's show is brought to you by us, by the Plant Power Evolution Revolution. We all want to be healthier. We want to be fitter, leaner, stronger, more focused, more self-aware, more grounded, more confident. But what to eat, when and why, how to meditate, why should I meditate? And maybe most importantly, how do we become more connected with our highest self? And how do we put that to work to properly set and achieve the right goals for us? How do we optimize our body, mind, and soul so we can ultimately unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves? Well, towards this end, we have put together a small collection of the highest quality products, programs, and services to meet these important needs. We've got two courses at mindbodygreen.com, online video courses. The first is called The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition. It's over three hours of streaming video on everything you need to know to get more plant power, to get more plants into your diet. Because irrespective of whatever your dietary proclivities are, we can all benefit from getting more fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, and seeds into our diet. The second course is called The Art of Living with Purpose. Now that we've cleaned up our diet, it's time to put it to work. So this course is all about connecting with the better self within, how to set and achieve the right goal for yourself, and ultimately, again, unlock that best version of yourself. And this one's got about two and a half hours of streaming video content. Both of the courses include an array of downloadable tools and all kinds of resources and a robust online community. So check both of those out, again, at mindbodygreen.com. Also, at richroll.com, you can find some of our awesome nutritional products like Repair, which is our post-workout athletic recovery supplement. It's robust with plant-based proteins and antioxidants like resveratrol and cordyceps mushroom extracts, which I find to be very helpful in training and optimizing my oxygen utilization and intake uptake. Uh, we also have a product called Ion, which is our electrolyte supplement, free of all the sugars and artificial dyes that are found in most electrolyte supplements. So check those out. We also have an e-cookbook, our Jai Seed e-cookbook, 77 pages of awesome plant-based recipes. We have a meditation program called Jai Release. We've got merchandise like t-shirts and hats and beanies so that you can wear your affiliation with this plant-based movement proudly. We also have flat rate domestic shipping on all products, just $4.99, no matter how big the box is. And don't forget to subscribe to my email list for deals, offers, and sales. We just had a sale. It was uh, $10 off on all t-shirts over this past weekend. So uh, if you were not aware of that, well, it's probably because you were not subscribed to my email list because I sent an email out to everybody about that. We also have an upcoming uh, sale that we're going to be offering over Halloween. So if you want to be in on that, then again, subscribe people. Uh, go to richworld.com today. Take your diet, your nutrition, and your life experience to the next level. Okay. Now on with the show. The Rich Roll Podcast. All right, you guys, it's time to do it up. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Yes, that is my real name. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for spreading the word with your friends. Thank you for Instagramming all the cool ways and places where you enjoy the show. And thank you for supporting the show 
by clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. It does not cost you anything extra, but it really helps us out. They throw us some loose commission change. So thank you. We appreciate everybody who has made a habit out of this and who has supported us along this journey in this way. Thank you. If you're new to the RRP, each week I perform a Vulcan mind meld with the best, the brightest, and the most compelling paradigm-busting minds in health, wellness, diet, nutrition, fitness, and creativity and entrepreneurship. World-class athletes, doctors, nutritionists, startup junkies, artists, and even the occasional triumphant everyman. Why do I do this? I do this to glean a little insight, a little knowledge, some education, motivation, and inspiration all designed to help you and me discover, uncover, unlock, and unleash our collective best, most authentic versions of who we are. I say it all the time. Change is not an overnight miracle, people. We love the neatly packaged narrative of the overnight success story. But, you know, honestly, that's just, well, it's just not that honest, because long-lasting, sustainable personal growth just doesn't work that way. It's messy. It's nonlinear. It's two steps backwards for every step in the right direction. And generally, it's forged out of self-experimentation, research, discomfort, failure, courage, and all too often, a lot of stumbling around in the dark. Most importantly, it's not a clean line. And we do not have to hold ourselves to this perfectionist ideal. In my opinion, it's this ideal that generally ho holds most people back. It paralyzes us, or it can lead to self-defeatism when we fall short of these idealized goals that we have set for ourselves. So just let it go, let go of perfection. Whether the change you seek is related to diet or nutrition or fitness, profession, money, education, or some specific skill set, the important thing is to allow yourself to just begin, provide yourself that space. You don't have to know where anything is leading. You don't have to change everything overnight, of course. And the steps you take, they don't have to be plotted or overthought or even pretty, but you do have to do one thing. And that is you have to start. You have to start somewhere, wherever you are. Or as today's guest suggests, lean in. My friend Kathy Freston is a four-time New York Times bestselling author. Her latest book is called The Lean. Prior to that, she wrote a book called Veganist. Prior to that, she wrote a book called Quantum Wellness and another book called The Quantum Wellness Cleanse. And Kathy has appeared on basically every prominent national television show, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, Ellen, Dr. Oz, The View, Good Morning America, Charlie Rose, The Martha Stewart Show, and Extra. Her work has been featured notably in Vanity Fair, Harper's Bazaar, Self, W, and Fitness Magazine. And she is a regular contributor to her friend Ariana Huffington's publication, aptly titled The Huffington Post. Uh, back in 2011, you might recall, if you watch Oprah, that it was Kathy's appearance on that show that inspired the great Ms. Winfrey herself and her entire staff of 378 people to go vegan for 21 days, which was kind of a big deal. 
Uh, and then she followed it up. Uh, she's, she does a lot, but in 2014, she did something really interesting that we're going to talk about today. She famously launched a change.org petition campaign that urged McDonald's to debut a vegetarian menu item. And this is a petition that went viral and, and very well may lead to the desired outcome, which that would be kind of a seismic shift and a great example of using the system, leveraging the system, working within the system to disrupt paradigms, which is pretty interesting. Uh, I met the delightful and beautiful Miss Kathy Freston several years ago, and I've always wanted to have her on the show. So today is a treat. And what I like about her is her very easygoing, accessible approach to helping people make long-lasting, sustainable shifts in their diet and their lifestyle. Because everything about Kathy's style is extremely inviting, it's grounded, and it's very understanding and compassionate with respect to the stressors and the limiters that envelop the typical modern-day busy life. Hence her coined term and the title of her most recent book, The Lean, which loosely translated essentially means progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. So today we sit down, we hash out her personal journey, what led her to becoming one of the most visible, prominent, and persuasive voices in the plant-based movement, as well as effective strategies that we can all leverage to develop a healthier, happier, more plant-powered approach to diet and to life. A little side note, I confess uh, to be having a little bit of a bromance with Kathy's boyfriend, Dan Butner. Uh, who is most definitely a man after my own heart, I must say. Dan is an extraordinary and accomplished educator, an explorer, and an ultra-endurance athlete who essentially circumnavigated a large portion of the globe on a bike. He holds three world records in endurance cycling. And in addition, he's a wellness warrior and a groundbreaking author in his own right. If you have heard of the term blue zones, then you've heard of Dan because Dan is the guy who coined the term, which is the title of his New York Times bestselling book called, you guessed it, The Blue Zones, Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who've Lived the Longest. And uh, I'm saying this now because I'm hoping to get Dan on the show sometime this winter, next time he's in Los Angeles. So stay tuned for that. And we talk a little bit about Dan on the show today as well. So anyway, until then, let's jump into the beautiful world of Kathy Freston. Hey, everybody. Like me, Inside Tracker wants to help you start the new year right. So they're thrilled to help support the Living Proof Challenge, the no cost, science based habit building program designed by my well being wizard brother, Simon Hill, to specifically up level the most important biomarkers that drive health span, that drive disease prevention, physical fitness, and mental well being, courtesy of a doable, evidence based 12 week program elaborated upon in length in my conversation with Simon that dropped January 1. That's RRP 804. If you listen to that episode, then you know the program entails comprehensive blood testing at both the commencement and conclusion of the challenge. And nobody handles blood testing better than Inside Tracker, who are graciously encouraging everyone to join the no cost challenge by offering a 25% off discount on Inside Tracker tests. To unlock the discount and learn more about this challenge, visit theproof.com slash livingproof. 
We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is gonna be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton, birch mattresses are made with None of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. I'm so interested in your story and, and your journey. And I think if I tried to encapsulate kind of what you're all about, it's a very, you, you put out like a very kind of open, non-judgmental welcome mat for people to kind of step into a new way of uh, connecting with food and healthy lifestyle. Is that I accurate? try to. Yeah, I try to. Um, as opposed to kind of preaching to the vegan choir, I suppose. It's, it's more concern and, and compassion for just the, the average person out there who's, you Yeah, know. well, I was the average person. I'm still the average person in a whole lot of ways. And I think that if someone approached me with a dogmatic point of view and that I should be doing this and I wasn't doing this enough and, you know, they were being really judgmental, I probably would have rejected them wholesale because mm -hmm. unfortunately with the message 
is the messenger. So the messenger has to be fairly uh, responsible, you know, mm-hmm. because if you are obnoxious, then people will reject what you have to say just because of who you are. So I think it's really important to be someone who is warm and welcoming and approachable and informative in a way that's not threatening or obnoxious. And I think the movement away from eating animals has become more of that vibe. And I mm-hmm. think that's a good bit of why things are picking up steam. Yeah. I mean, the the movement is, you know, just even in the last year, let alone the last five years, it's amazing to see how mainstream it has become and continue, continues to, to be. And I think it's because of people like yourself who mm. don't fit you know, the, the sort of stereotype that Mm. conjure people conjure up in their mind about, you know, what somebody like this, you know, what their lifestyle is like or what their priorities are like. And, you know, for me, when I began, you know, if if you said the word vegan, you know, I immediately, there was an image that would pop into my mind about a certain person that is totally fine, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I identified with. And I think that that was, you know, maybe I would have been keen to try it sooner had there been sort of spokespeople out there that I had a better or easier time relating to. And yeah. you're, you're hardly a hippie. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I did you know, live in Woodstock. So, oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I when did. When did you live in Woodstock? I lived in Woodstock uh, probably 15 years ago. What were you doing there? Yeah, I just, I had a house up there and an apple orchard and I went hiking. And, you know, here's something that people don't know about me is that I used to hunt and fish. Mm-hmm. And when I... You're a Georgia girl. Yeah, I'm a Georgia girl. And, but when I lived up in Woodstock, I was dating this guy who was a hunter and we used to go grouse hunting mm-hmm. and we used to go trout fishing and I did not have the awareness yet. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't actually shoot anything, but you know, for me it was, I understand how hunters talk about like you're outdoors and you're in nature and cause that's how I felt. I loved being outdoors and I loved being connected to everything, but I didn't get the part that that I was killing an animal, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's that's why it's really important for me not to be judgmental is because the light bulb goes on when it goes on mm-hmm. and you want to present the information in a way that that light bulb is going to go on. Right. And, yeah, I mean, Julie's dad is a major hunter. Like this guy's hunted in Africa and he's hunted in uh, Siberia and their house, she grew up in Alaska, their house mm-hmm. in Alaska. They just moved to Los Angeles. They're, they're uh, in their 90s now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but had just been living up, living up there on their own until this past winter. Uh, and their house is filled with taxidermy, you know, animals and all of this. And, and you know, it's easy to say, oh, how could you, you know, do that? But, you know, he's somebody who connected to nature in that way. And I think he has an appreciation for animal life and the the ecosystem in a way that most people don't. So mm-hmm. it's important to not reserve or, or to reserve judgment about those kinds of things, I think. Yeah. And, um, and understand that different people have different ways of connecting to the environment and And let's nature. remember, it's a big change. I mean, this is a cultural shift that's been happening at breakneck speed. Mm-hmm. And our parents grew up eating meat and wearing everything and not thinking twice about it. So, you know, we're breaking out of a, a, a centuries-long mold. 
So mm-hmm. we got to take it easy. Right. Somebody's cell phone's going off. Is that your is that your uh, ringtone? I just want to be happy. You can you can just let it ring out. You need to get okay. it. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I like it. It's a soundtrack, you know. It's <laughs> no. appropriate. I figured I want the good energy whenever I can get it. So. Uh, I like it. Yeah. A little, a little Pharrell for the, yeah. Yeah, for the exactly. podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how does it all start for you, though? Where, where does this shift begin? The shift for me, you know, I was writing about relationships. My first couple books were about waking up in terms of relationships and using relationships as a vehicle to become more conscious, to become deeper human beings. And I sort of spread that awareness into meditation and self-work and friendships and relationships. And then I thought, well, the thing that I do all the time every day is eat. And I didn't have any awareness around my food. So I thought I'm, I'm kind of being a hypocrite because I'm talking about awareness and deepening and, and um, being more and more conscious and I just don't have any consciousness around food. So if I'm a meat eater, and I certainly was a meat eater, I need to be aware of how that meat got to me. So I charged myself with the task of watching videos and um, listening to behind the scenes accounts of slaughterhouses. And then I would be free to choose to eat meat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be ignorant about it and in the dark about it. Um, so as I saw those videos, I was so deeply, deeply disturbed. I, I just thought I, I, I don't want to be someone who adds to this horrible process out there. But at the same time, I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to die a decade earlier because mm-hmm. we all know we need meat to be healthy and strong and all Damn that right. stuff. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, so, but I'm just going to lean toward being a person who doesn't eat as much meat. And so that's my whole philosophy of leaning into it. And of course, as I started studying the science of what makes you healthy and live long, I learned that eating a plant-based diet is what would keep me healthy, would prevent diseases. I'd probably live eight years longer, if not 10. And, you know, all the things that I worried about actually took care of themselves as I switched over my diet. But if you told me a girl from Georgia who ate, you know, meat and dairy and eggs at least three times a day. Chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak, barbecued <laughs> ribs. I mean, you know, all that stuff was, the, it was in my blood. It was my culture. It was the stuff that made me happy. And I would have been at a total loss if you told me that I Mm -hmm. was going to be someone not eating anything from an animal. So I I just took my time and I leaned into this new uh, way of being. And little by little, I learned um, to make a meal here, where to shop there, you know, how to talk about it. And um, I got my feet wet. I got comfortable, leaned a little farther. Mm -hmm. And it probably took me a couple of years to right. move totally away from animal products. What's really interesting is that, you know, your first couple books, I mean, The One and Expect, Expect a Miracle, I mean, these are not, I mean, people know you as this sort of spokesperson for the vegan movement. Like that's kind of the public persona, at least right now, but that's not how you started. You published two books mm. about completely different subjects and really your shift is is really a spiritual shift because it was the embrace of meditation that really kind of created this domino effect that led you Mm -hmm. to where you are now. Like it goes back to that. Yeah. And I think the whole spiritual process is about 
growth. It's about awareness and deepening and expanding. And and even my first books, you know, were a different kind of spirituality that that I've probably grown out of since then. You know, it, it was more about. Uh, turning over your power to, um, prayer and things like that. And, and as I've gone a little farther in my life, I think, well, you know, I think it's gotta be in the individual to make changes. It's, it's, yes, we've got to be aware that there's something bigger than ourselves, but, but we have to make these changes ourselves because if we don't do it, who else is going to, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to affect my home. I've got to affect my family. I've got to be someone in my community that is going to shop differently, order differently, speak differently, dress differently. And and if if I'm not doing that, then that's one less person in the community who's going to be making that change. So. Right, right. So when you first started to kind of lean into this new way of eating and you're embracing meditation and these spiritual practices, I mean, did you feel, did that feel like something that was isolating you from your friends in the community? I mean, probably we're in Los Angeles, so everyone's kind of all about it. But I think that's a big barrier for a lot of people. It's a, it's it's something that scares them or, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't want to be marginalized. Yeah, I think that's been a big part of uh, being vegan. Um, I know a lot of people talk about feeling alienated and not part of things, but it's been, it's been kind of a great experience for me, actually. I've really enjoyed... Um, being someone who is not eating meat and, and talking about it, I kind of think it's an honor in a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was uncomfortable at first cause I didn't have all my answers figured out in my head. I mean, you know, I was wearing leather and, you know, I remember this guy was like, oh yeah, you're not eating meat. What's on your feet? Mm-hmm. You're such a hypocrite. And I was like, bah, bah, bah. you know, now I would say, hey, listen, it's all about progress, not perfection. And mm-hmm. we're all doing the best we can. And I haven't gotten there yet. I happen to not wear leather anymore. You right, know, I've, right. I've, I've moved farther in that direction, but in the beginning, I didn't know what to say. And I felt like, you know, I was under attack sometimes, but now I, it's kind of a, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm really happy to be part of a community that I think is forward thinking and making a positive difference. And I'm, I'm proud to be there. Yeah. It's an evolution. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember Years ago, uh, Lisa Lang from PETA reached out to me. I was training for my second Ultraman, and she wanted to come out and interview me for PETA, and, uh, which was great, and she's awesome, and it was super cool. I'm going to have her on the podcast soon. Actually, I'm interviewing her tomorrow. Um, but, she's a good friend of mine. <clears throat> yeah, she's great. Uh, but I remember when she was coming over with this crew of people that were going to make this video, and, you know, on our floor, we have this huge calfskin rug and we yeah. had a couch that was made out of leather. Like this is, you know, I'm, I'm like a year and a half into this process. And these are things that we've always had. I mean, I think that rug came from Julie's dad. And I remember I was like, should I be embarrassed? Should we hide it? You know, like, what are we, yeah. <laughs> is she going to like get mad? You know, like, I don't know what, to, what the response is. And I remember having a really interesting conversation with her where I was like, what is the what is the, you know, ethical thing to do? Should we just continue to use this until it wears out? Because mm-hmm. at least that's respecting, you know, it, it's already done, right? right? So tossing it in the garbage is that, that might be less respectful than just continuing to use it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she had a really 
really kind of um, measured, compassionate response. And she's like, there's no right answer. You know, you have to do what you feel is right. And, you know, and, and, you know, I was buying leather goods and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't do that anymore, but yeah. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And no, and it does it, and it shouldn't happen overnight cuz you got a you've got a lot of people who go back the other direction, mm-hmm. you know, that they turn vegan and then they and then they just say it was too hard and I didn't right. feel good and it was just too alienating and so when you go that way all of a sudden overnight and you make all these decisions, then then you kind of feel like you're out in the woods on your own. Whereas if you do it slowly, leaning in, you may, those decisions become clear. They become self-evident, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I just, my decision was, I'm just not going to buy any more leather. You know, I kind of made it a sport to find non-leather things. But I had that same question, like, what am I going to do with all my shoes? And What's the answer? Do I have to give them away? Yeah. You and probably have a lot of shoes. <laughs> I got lots of shoes, I got to tell you. Yeah. It was easier for me to give up steak than my Manola Blahniks. Yeah, I know. But um, So what did you do? I Well, I allowed myself to keep wearing them, but a funny thing happened. I would put them on and I was like, kind of feel, I don't feel great about it. Well, now, well, it's plastered on your forehead, like you're the vegan person. So when you go out into the world, people know you as that. So what are you, what are you supporting and what are you you saying no to? Right, exactly. But even before that, and I think it's interesting, you know, now I do stand for that and so publicly, but it's, you know, I think... We, there's something within us that is asked to rise and like the hardest things I've ever have to, I've ever had to do and that I've struggled with have been, you know, giving up eating animals and, and, uh, giving up leather. But boy, when I did them, great things happened. Mm -hmm. Like just the world opened up. It was amazing. And I mean, I wrote books about it and it was just, but I wouldn't have planned that, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's something to be said for pushing yourself past that comfort zone. It's like, yes, lean for sure. Lean into something, but push yourself too, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's something that happens inside that you feel so empowered that you can put aside your craving, your your desire to taste something or wear something or some some vanity thing that that you're willing to do it for a, a greater good, you know, that feels really good, and that confidence will lead to other things. Whether mm-hmm. it's you're inspired to write a book or give a talk or you have ideas about starting other companies or whatever, but when you push yourself past the comfort zone. It's like, you know, the hero's journey is just like Joseph Campbell talked about. When you go through that difficulty and and you're up against all your inward stuff, you know, that wants to just keep you in that comfortable zone of no movement, um, it's hard as hell, but it's so rewarding. Yeah. It's a super important point. I mean, look, if you want to run a marathon, then you're going to have to get up early in the morning and get out and go running when it's dark out. If you have a job, you know, it's, you have to set aside certain creature comforts in order to achieve whatever goal that you have. And I think that when people look at adopting a plant-based diet, they look at it from a perspective of deprivation and Mm -hmm. it's almost this ascetic thing. Like I'm going to have to be this sort of food monk and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm never going to eat anything that tastes good again. Mm -hmm. Certainly that's not the reality. We could both attest to that, Mm -hmm. but there is sort of a weathering of, you know, getting through that cycle of cravings and getting to the other side. But there is a sense of, you know, self-esteem and satisfaction that comes with that, that I think 
really profoundly in my case, and I think in yours as well, um, shifted my consciousness, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and set me on a new trajectory. I mean, like yourself, I didn't think I would be writing books or sitting here having a podcast. You know, I was a, I was a corporate lawyer, you know, I was going to be a big producer in Hollywood or whatever, you know, like I would have never in a million years predicted it, but I couldn't be happier. I feel great about what I'm doing. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's that idea of, um, you know, kind of taking to task, uh, this idea that, uh, you know, our lives should all be about comfort and security mm-hmm. and, yep. and challenging that, you know, because we're here to grow. We're know? here to grow. That in is, order to grow, you have yes. to try new things. You have yes. to get out of your comfort zone. Yes. You have to, and, and you have to allow yourself to fail. And so when I think of your philosophy of lean in, really what I, what I see is um, a tabling of this, perfection concept that mm. I think really uh, hamstrings people. And oh. it goes to what you said, like that, that, that thing of, oh, it was too hard or I couldn't do it. Well, that's because you, you set yourself up to fail because you were holding yourself to some perfection standard. Absolutely. And, and I, you're flogging yourself and saying, yeah. I can't do it. And yeah. then you lose, you know, your enthusiasm for it. And then you're just back to doing whatever exactly. you're doing before. And I think that, that, that's a little bit of a, a, a glitch in um, in our movement, sometimes is is there are people that feel like we should be perfect, and they, you know, there are some people in the movement that would beat up other people if they're not perfect enough. You know, if they're not eating um, perfectly unprocessed, plant based, non GMO, organic food, you know, and if they're not wearing the ideal thing, well, that's pretty damn hard. You know, and I bless you if you can be perfect, especially right out of the gate. I I certainly couldn't. And I know that with every passing month and year, I do refine my diet more and more and I refine my my way of living more and more, but it's at a pace that's comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if I felt like in the beginning, if I could never have processed food, you know, I, I wanted that bulk of sort of a plant based uh, uh, the protein that I was used to like whether it was mm-hmm. chicken or or a burger or whatever so if I felt like I could get a plant-based chicken or burger instead of the animal-based ones I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna feel good about it and I think that's a really important thing I mean it's it may not be ideal it's not rice and beans but it's so much healthier and it's so much more kind and compassionate and then as I get more comfortable there, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to lean more toward lentils and beans and stuff like that. And, and little by little, I'm going to get healthier. Yeah. And if you break up with your boyfriend and you're unhappy and you have to wake up in the middle of the night and eat a pint of haagen that doesn't mean that you abandon this yeah. whole journey altogether. You just say, all right, well, I did that. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Yeah. Let me, you know, and, and just not be so hard on yourself, I think. And Progress, not perfection. Yeah. I think that... And I've talked about this many times on on the podcast, but the the the, the plant based movement, the vegan movement, is very fractionalized. There's all these mm-hmm. like camps underneath yeah. the, in, underneath this umbrella, and there's a lot of arguing that goes on, yeah. you know, and bickering and battling about what's best and what's right and what's not right. You know, whether you're fruitarian, eighty ten ten, or yeah. you know, what what all of these sorts of things, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that the general public at large perceives that and is turned off by all of that. And they say, well, they can't yeah. even get their act together. And it's like, confusing. It's, it's confusing. It makes it more confusing. And, yeah. and I know that 
you know, you take some hits for talking about Gardein and, you know, Earth Balance and Veginase and yeah. things like this that are really kind of starter foods for people that are mm-hmm. dipping their toe into this movement. And, you know, I think it's important to speak to the general public as you do in a compassionate way that says, it's okay, look, you're, you you like mayonnaise? Well, why don't you try Veginase? Or, you know, mm-hmm. you, you got to have butter on your toast? Well, there's this thing called Earth Balance. Yeah. And, you know, if you just, you know, you just can't imagine. You like cheese, you just try some Kite Hill or some Dea. I mean, there's yeah. some wonderful alternatives out there. And and not all of them are the healthiest choices in the world. Mm-hmm. But as you're transitioning and as you're trying to, uh, you know, adjust your palate, uh, they're, they're great bridge foods, yeah. you know, and even for kids too. So you have to look at it with a long-term view Absolutely. of creating something sustainable that's going to last you for the next several decades, as opposed to, yeah, I tried vegan for 30 days and yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah, like it was I too hard. It. Exactly. Hold the intention of moving away from eating animals and their stuff. Right. And then you go in that direction and, mm-hmm. and little by little, we, we bring ourselves into a healthier diet and we bring up our community as we get lighter and lighter. Yeah, if you're uh, you know a 300 pound uh, linebacker in the NFL who's thinking about going vegan, you can't tell that guy he can't eat protein bars and you know a Gardein sausages when he's been eating sausages every morning for his totally. whole life. Like he's got to he's got to slowly adapt. Yeah, you know, yeah. otherwise it's too hardcore. I think. Oh my God, my friends who I grew up with in Georgia, if 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 I tried to to bring them to you know a, a super healthy place where it was all raw vegan and they would hate it. They would totally hate it. But if I took them to a place like Veggie Grill and they could get the, you know, the Santa Fe crispy chicken burger, which is plant-based and mm-hmm. it's going to be hearty and and just feel like it's super it's familiar. fulfilling. Yeah, it's, it's familiar. familiar. They're going to say, oh, I could do this. This is doable for me. Right. A great recent example is this Stanford professor who uh, just came up. He's like a mad scientist. I know you know about this guy oh, who yeah. came up with uh, the taste of blood that could yeah. be infused into these plant-based meat alternatives. Mm-hmm. And they, they sort of have the, the taste and consistency of mm-hmm. beef, I suppose. Like mm-hmm. what's that? I don't know. I can't remember his name, but Patrick Brown, Patrick Brown, his company's called impossible foods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's controversial. You know, a lot of plant-based people are like, why would you even spend any time trying to make something that tastes like that? But, but for somebody who's transitioning, if you can create a burger that tastes like a burger, that's oh a win gosh. for the world, you know. And I think even on your Facebook page, you said your favorite quote in the article was that uh, was that uh, the business of livestock has become antiqu- archaic, antiquated. antiquated. Yeah, yeah. Because if you think about antiquated it, technology, to antiquated technology. It's like it's like we used to hunt whales because we needed the oil for our lanterns. And then electricity was invented or discovered, mm-hmm. you know, and whale oil became obsolete and, and ridiculous. Now you look back and you just think, whoa, people had to go out on ships for these long voyages and harpoon these gigantic fish and squeeze them for their oils. And I mean, that's just like crazy. I mean, right. it seems so ridiculous, the waste of resources. And But now we have electricity and it's the same thing. Yes, you, you don't know, need it. We don't need that. We're gonna we're raising billions and billions of animals using so many resources, water and you know grains and and things that could be feeding humans, and we're we're dirtying up our planet. And we're for me, and I'm 
sure for you and a lot of people seeing these animals suffer, I mean, it's just insane for Mm -hmm. the amount of calories that, that are useful that we get out of it. So it's becoming an untenable, antiquated thing. And it's just, you know, if you want to be an activist, I would say start a company. Provide alternatives. Right. Like be like the guys at Beyond Eggs and Beyond Meat, because it's technology, I think, that is going to solve this problem. And what's cool is just the use of the word tech. Like when you say livestock is an antiquated tech, you know, that's changing the vernacular and the perspective on the whole thing. Like just table the ethical argument completely and just look at it from a pure economic and sort of use of resources perspective. And livestock doesn't make sense. It's not sustainable. It it requires an insane amount of resources. It leaves a, you know, this, this incredibly deleterious, you know, imprint on the planet across our oceans and you know everything like you just look at it and you're like why are we doing this this makes no sense but the only way we're going to really change is if technology can come up with alternatives that are satisfying to people that that uh you know are cheaper because they use less resources and and that's what's going to Mm -hmm. create a seismic change i think and so when you see people like biz stone from twitter and bill gates and all these people investing millions of dollars into these technologies you see this is this is a this is happening you know and it's exciting and wait till the insurance companies get a hold of this stuff too because it's just like with smoking you know the insurance companies ended up paying for for all the damage all the all the disease once it really becomes clear what we're doing to ourselves that we're killing ourselves mm-hmm. through obesity related diseases like you know type 2 diabetes and heart disease and all that it's going to be economically imperative to force change mm-hmm. i mean this is that we're a capitalist society and it is going to become clear that if we want to go in the in the direction of you know making money, saving money, it it just is untenable. Right, and it's animals. happening. I mean, if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you're looking at your healthcare costs and you're just you know vomiting in your wastebasket every night yeah. because it's just money down the drain. And so you're seeing these larger companies and even smaller companies bringing in people like yourself to come and speak or create programs that are creating a healthier workforce because you can't be economically viable when mm-hmm. your workforce is sick and you're paying for, you know, these insane healthcare costs to mm-hmm. keep people alive. Yeah. So you've got companies that are interested in it now and get it, and people are inter- there's a groundswell of of people who want to get healthier and and change. But it's still not totally easy to eat that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm let's let's be really honest. That's the truth. Yeah. It's not. And I I love it when people say it's super easy. You just do this, you just do that. And yes, it's definitely doable. But if you live somewhere in the Midwest or in a small town or you travel a lot or you're in foreign countries, whatever, it's not easy. It takes some doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with this swelling of interest and people who are intending to to go this direction when the availability of easy, affordable food, plant-based food is out there, then this this movement is going to take off Mm -hmm. exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so if you're someone who's interested in fanning the flames, 
invent the alternatives, start the restaurants, you know, supply things to stores, make it easier because that's going to make a real difference. Yeah. I mean, we live in a capitalist society and profitability still carries the day. So Mm -hmm. create a profitable business that that creates a, you know, a healthier, Mm -hmm. more accessible, more affordable alternative. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way it's going to get solved. It's not going to get solved from browbeating people and telling them they're bad people because Mm -mm. you know it's just not it doesn't work no you know Mm -mm. we're brought to you today by seed gut health is all the rage there's good reason for that i've probably devoted i don't know at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. So then what led to this idea of writing a book about it, the first book that, you know, was really kind of plant-based focused? Well, I wrote a book called Quantum Wellness, and it was uh, it was about sort of the wellness across the board, body, mind, and soul. And so I wrote the about... The eight pillars. What are the <laughs> yes. eight pillars of wellness? <laughs> well, there's meditation, uh, introspection, you know, um, self-work, uh, service, um, uh, but one of the pillars sounding was, like an AA meeting. Yeah. Well, I, I love the 12 steps. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the 12 steps. Everybody should work the steps. Yeah. I think. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I did the 12 steps for a long time. I still, I, they live inside of me. I'm, I'm an old Alan on myself mm. and, um, which is where the progress, not perfection comes from. You know, where I first heard about that, I thought, wow, that really makes sense. You know, you don't have to be perfect, just lean in the direction of progress. Wow, that's pretty great. Um, so one of the one of the pillars was conscious eating. And I wrote up a little cleanse and I just, you know, kind of talked about how food is this thing that we all have in our lives and, you know, we don't have a whole lot of consciousness around it. And I was doing Oprah to Mm -hmm. promote the book. And we all know what happened with Oprah when she quote unquote bad mouthed meat. And uh, let's recap that a little bit because maybe not everybody knows what happened, but it, 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 it it entailed an interview with Howard Lyman, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Bad cowboy. So can you, well, he kind of told her what was uh, in a hamburger, what went into a hamburger. And she, she very offhandedly and casually said, well, I'm not interested in eating hamburger ever again. 
And it was something so simple and so personal as that, just voicing her opinion. She wasn't telling anybody mm-hmm. not to ever eat meat again or anything like that. She just sort of offhandedly said it. And the beef industry took her to task and sued her they for... freaked out. Yeah, meat slander. You know, there's a law. You can't mm-hmm. slander meat. Mm-hmm. You can't say anything bad about meat. Isn't that incredible? There are these crazy laws on the books right now that I have, as a lawyer, I look at them and I go, how is this even in the realm of being constitutional? Yeah. It's just amazing. I mean, I look at as an author, I have to back up what I say and, you know, everything has to be professionally cited and and indisputable. And then I look at what (laughs) some of these industries come out and say and the the wonky science. And I'm like, wow, how do they get away with that? You know, Uh, to your point, being a lawyer. Yeah, I think the law, I'm I'm not sure exactly what the law is, but I think if you say anything that can disrupt the profits of... Uh, of, you know, an agricultural concern mm. that that is actionable. Mm. I'm not sure. I could be totally wrong. I should do some more well, research Well, they. Th- I think you're right. And they, they took action and they took her to court and uh, she fought the good fought, fight and she actually won. But I think it was traumatizing for her. It took years too. I mean, yeah. and this was a time when Oprah was everything. When Oprah was on, I mean, what year was that when that happened? Do you remember? I think it was in the 80s sometime, mm-hmm. late 80s maybe. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know it was traumatizing for her, and she talked openly about it. And, and she, traumatizing for Howard Lyman, who had to spend yeah. the rest, you know, the next fifteen years defending himself. Have you seen Cowspiracy? Yeah, yeah, it's so okay. good. Right, right, right. It's so, so good. Howard's in the movie, and he talks about that experience. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's talk about David and Goliath. You know, we're we're talking about giants, these industries, and it's it's nothing to to scoff at and or to take lightly. But God bless Oprah. She she fought it. She won. So anyway, years later, I'm on the show and uh, the producers kind of said, stay away from that conversation mm-hmm. about meat. You know, that's just not a conversation she's going to want to have. And so I was prepared to talk about meditation and conscious relationships and all of that stuff. Well, she went right to it. Wow. She talked about conscious eating and I was like, ah. I'm going to go with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the great O wants to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. And and uh, that sort of lit a, a fire. Um, so what did you say exactly? I mean, did you address it directly? I mean, the producer must have been they freaking all, out. They were pretty much in awe. Yeah, that she was, she would, she just went for it, you know. Um, but I think she was at a point in her career and is at a point in her career in her life that, you know, she sees the bigger picture and she wants to tell the truth and she wants to be authentic. And this is a conversation she wanted to have. And it mm-hmm. was something she wanted to challenge herself about, you know. And so um, so I answered her questions and talked about my experience and it just created a huge swelling of conversation and mm-hmm. articles were written. And What year was this? Oh gosh, hmm, maybe two thousand five. Right. Six, so this is like with that. when you're doing the rounds with Quantum Wellness. Yeah. That book. Yeah. Let's just talk about going on Oprah just as a concept. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like that has to be no insane. pressure. Yeah. Like, like what is that like? Yeah. Um, what I loved about going on Oprah was that I felt like I was talking to one person because she gives her full attention to you. And I just zeroed in on her and Mm -hmm. talked to her as this woman who's very curious and was asking intelligent questions. And I didn't 
think about the 9 million people that were watching because that would have freaked oh, me yeah. out. And how do you not think about that? I just didn't. I just compartmentalized it and I just thought I'm going to talk to her, you know. Does and she come out and do you do, like, what's the prep like before you go on? Um, they give you a list, you know, some questions that she might touch on and, mm -hmm. and, you know, but she's, she's her own person. So she's going to take the interview where she wants to go. But I had a basic idea of what she wanted to talk about. And then it just kind of went in another direction. And at a certain point they turned off the cameras and she wanted to get the pulse of her audience, like what they felt about this stuff. And she mm. wanted to check in and see, you know, what people felt. And it was surprising how few people understood this whole um, idea of conscious eating and what was wrong with eating meat and all of this stuff. And um, so it was, it was really good. I've done several shows with her and one, you know, when we did the whole um, veganizing the whole Harpo staff, yeah, that was the big one, right? Like 21 day, you got her to agree for her and her staff to go vegan for 21 days. The, well, the, when that happened. the quantum wellness is when she did the, she went vegan for 21 days and um, along with the cleanse. And then the next show that I did, they veganized the whole staff and that was for a week. Uh, and so that was, um, people could sign up if they wanted to, it was not obligatory. And surprisingly, almost everybody, thousands of people signed up and it was the dead of winter and the lunchroom, you know, had all this vegan food, still had meat, but yeah. had vegan food that you still had to pay for. It was not like it was free. And the line was the longest they'd ever seen Mm -hmm. ever. And it was snaked out the, the building and outside in the dead of winter in Chicago. At Harpo, at, at her Harpo. studios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For that week. And people- Because when Oprah says we're doing this, people fall and they, they, they get in line, right? They had the choice and they wanted to, you know, and it was surprising because some of the biggest um, uh, successes and, and, you know, excitements came from the the men, these big beefy guys who remember Chicago is the home of the stockyards. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's that mentality there that, you know, big beef and that's what's for dinner. And, and, uh, it was the men who really, really got a lot out of it, like felt almost immediately better within a week. Mm -hmm. They just felt lighter and they felt more clear. Their systems were, you know, moving and um, they had lost weight in a week. And so um, I think it was even to her surprise that it was the right. men, right. even more than the women. And uh, why did she stick with it? I mean, weight's always been a big thing with her, like vacillating in her weight, right? Like... Yeah, well, she said, you know, in her, she did a an article, um, what I know for sure in O Magazine, and she said, I will never not be conscious about what I eat again. And, um, you know, I think she's probably leaning in mm -hmm. at her own speed in her and own in her own way. Yeah, but, another... but even, you know, a lot of people would criticize her just like they criticize me for not going far enough or she's not going far enough. But I have to say she's... She's done so much for the movement. I mean, mm -hmm. her, she's done two whole shows about this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with me. And she's done other shows with other people. So that's made a whole lot of change, you know. And I think that we should be so grateful to her for, for what she's done and, um, and continues to do. Yeah, well, change starts at the top, you know. And when you see people like Bill Clinton and, 
you know, real leaders, you know, adopting this way of eating, that really changes the way people perceive it. And you're somebody who kind of navigates the, you know, the higher echelons of society, I guess I could say, right? Like you're mm-hmm. hanging out with some pretty cool people. And these are the people that, you know, set trends and, and for better or worse, <clears throat> you know, what they're doing is, is you know, drives what other people are going to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They do. They do. They, they are the chattering class for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's funny what makes it that light bulb go on for some people and, you know, it's different for everybody. And, and, uh, you know, you look at someone like Ellen and her wife, Portia, they, it was a bulb that went on for them and they Mm -hmm. did everything overnight. You know, they just threw out all their leather shoes and they, you know, never had meat again. And, and so that was the speed that they were comfortable in. They just didn't want to lean in. Right, right, right. So... So who knows? Everybody has everybody's their own different, and path. but I think when you kind of take this spiritual perspective of it, when you encourage somebody to lean in, you're inherently saying, "I respect you and your journey." Mm-hmm. And and if you make a few small changes, then I'm sending you into the world, and then that will take you on your own journey and your yeah. own trajectory, and more will be revealed yeah. to you. Yeah. And it's up to you to make those choices as you go along the way. Exactly. You know, I think you know with me the narrative. The sort of tidy narrative, if you read some article on the internet about me, is that it looks like it was overnight. And it was it was pretty compressed in time, but it wasn't overnight, you know. There was small changes that were made mm-hmm. over a period of, you know, a year and a half adapting to this kind of thing. And I think to give people a wide berth and say it's okay to do that is... And by the way, you have a partner who has made it easy and yes. you guys have done things together and that makes a really great oh, difference. Cute. I mean, listen, left to my own devices, like I'm <laughs> drooling in the gutter, you know, like, so, you know, Julie is, she's, first of all, she's, she's incredibly supportive mm-hmm. and, and encouraging and also an amazing cook, yeah. you know? So it's like, I, I'm, you know, I'm in a winning scenario and it's, I realize and I'm compassionate for people that don't have that. There's yeah. a lot of people that reach out to me and they're like, I, you know, I'm interested in doing this, but my wife, my husband, my partner, that's a real my thing. boyfriend, like they're not into it. Like, that's how do a, I do that? And it's like, a, I don't have experience with that. So yeah. I feel uncomfortable giving advice because yeah. I always try to just relate what I've done. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. And I think I love what you have to say that acknowledging that, you, you know, trying to say, oh, it's super easy. Like that's not, that's not being not honest truth. or authentic about mm-hmm. what it is. Cause it, 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 it does require mm-hmm. getting out of your comfort zone and it can mm-hmm. be difficult. And there are plenty of things that crop up and happen that can derail you and that are challenging to yeah. circumnavigate. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, it's funny talking about relationships though. You know, it's, it's such a, it's almost like um, if someone doesn't share your set of values, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, you've got a great relationship when someone witnesses what's important to you and they try to take it in and see things from your perspective. That, mm-hmm. That's a strong relationship. So mm. when Julie was talking to you about this stuff, the fact that you took her seriously, you didn't pat her on the head and say, well, that's nice. And I'll try your little veggie burger. Well, I did that for a while first, <laughs> to be fair. And she <laughs> <Yeah>. stayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the way it worked out, which is pretty interesting, I think we talked about this at the dinner party the other night was 
she was always, I mean, Julia has always been more kind of forward thinking and open-minded yeah. and, and into personal growth than, than I have been, despite, you know, being in recovery. I was like, that's my program, you know, don't tamper with it. You can go do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But she was always able to see like a better version of me, like beneath mm -hmm. the, the heaviness that I was carrying around. And she'd lay books on my bed, you know, on my table, you mm -hmm. know, the bedside table at night or say, why don't you try this? Or, and, I, and I would never, I, I never like, I never took her up on it, but it was when she detached from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the results of whatever she was doing that I was able to shift when she really let go and said, he's, I'm going to respect him to, you know, do what he, I love him who, how he is and he's going to do whatever he's going to do. And that's when it was like, whoa, it's on me. I'm just curious. Do you think that you guys would have thrived ultimately, like long-term, if you didn't end up going in that direction? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that if I had become somebody who was not interested in growing, mm -hmm. then that would have been a fundamental problem that mm -hmm. probably would have driven us apart, you know, mm -hmm. over time. Uh, because that's Julie's whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. She can't be with somebody who's, who just wants to stay static or mm -hmm. regress. Mm -hmm. Like that wouldn't work for her. Mm -hmm. um, there's different ways of growing, you know? So I think um, to the extent that I was willing to try to grow in however way I saw fit for myself, I think that would probably be workable. I mean, mm -hmm. look, there's still things that she's into that I'm not into, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, uh, you, you know, so we're not going to do it in the same way, but mm -hmm. if there's an, there's a respect, like I have a respect for her journey and she mm -hmm. has a respect for mine and she's not trying to live vicariously through my life, nor mm -hmm. am I through her. So it's that idea of sovereignty. I think, you know, mm -hmm. we're sovereign beings and we work well together and mm -hmm. we have a great relationship and we're open, but we're not trying to control each other. And, and, and I think ultimately we have a respect for our differences in our approach to mm -hmm. how we kind of decide what we're going to explore well said. to grow, I guess. Well put. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, from the woman's point of view, or maybe it's, you know, from just, you know, one side of the view that, you know, if I was, if I was already there, to see your guy make that change is so heartwarming. It's like, oh, I love him. I love him. It's just, <laughs> it feels so good, you know? Because every woman wants to change her man. No, Bobby, no, right? no, no. Like what is this primal female no, thing? No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's like, oh my God, we are meeting in this this really a profound place of awareness and, and mission. And like, you know, we get each other. We're on the same page. There's something really powerful about that. So how's it working with you and Dan? <laughs> so he's leaning in. Is he? Yeah. Like, so just so, so your boyfriend is Dan Butner. Is that how you say his last yeah. name? Butner. Mm -hmm. Who's a, by the way, he's an incredible guy. Like I could have talked to him all day and all night. Yeah. You, you know, guys are kind of cut yeah, from the same we're cloth. simpatico completely. Yeah. Uh, and if you're listening, you would know him because he's the man behind the blue zones. Mm -hmm. He's the blue zone guy. He wrote mm -hmm. the blue zone books. Yeah. He's an amazing, amazingly accomplished author, public speaker, and 
amazing ultra endurance athlete. The guy's yeah. ridden his bike like everywhere. Across the Incredible. world. Yeah, yeah, through the Sahara Desert without sunscreen, I might add. And, you know, through the Congo and from the tip of North America to the tip of South America. So, you know, when he met you, it was like, uh, it uh, we're was like, like he's a, a pod. bromance, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was, definitely. It was great. So and, I'm like, uh, when is he moving here? Don't tell me you're moving to Minnesota. So you're no. having this long distance relationship, yeah, right? So how, how are you making that work? Well, he travels a lot anyway, so he's out in LA quite a bit. And then, you know, I'll go back to Minneapolis and I'm a writer, so I can, I can work when I'm there and then we'll meet up on the road sometimes, but, Mm -hmm. but it's long distance for right now. And, you know, I, I just got divorced, so uh, just no sort of rush no, no rush. I'm settling into my new life, but I'm loving, loving being with someone who is health minded and loves, you know, new experiences in life and who's challenged himself to do these ultra endurance things and to educate himself on, you know, why the longest living cultures in the world are so healthy and he has determined through you know major research that the one of the reasons is that they're about 95% plant based mm-hmm. i mean i don't think there are, are any vegan cultures in the world so we can't mm-hmm. really study them to know if they would fare better but um, being plant-based is one of the reasons these these cultures live so long. And and so to be with someone who we're, you know, passing back and forth studies and research papers and discussing data, and yet still love, we both love to go out for a martini at night. And, mm-hmm. you know, we both love to go for a bike ride that's nice and vigorous and, you know, go vacation and camping and stuff like that. So he's, he's kind of, um, he's kind of great. So how has his knowledge and all of his research and his experience uh, sort of colored your growth? Like, has it changed your perspective on certain things or pushed you in new directions? Yeah. Or how has that yeah. you know, affected your perspective? It, it, it's affected me because Dan believes in having a good time. And because that is one of the tenets of, of how people live so long in these five blue zones all over the world, um, is that they really they have parties, they dance, they community, commute, they have community, they are happy people, you know, even though they're, they work hard and they're not necessarily the richest people in the world, they are happy and they laugh and they have a good time. And I can be a little too serious sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that's really changed my perspective. I, I have learned to let go more and enjoy myself and and uh, at the end of the day, I, I can kick up my heels and, and relax and I, I don't feel guilty about it, mm-hmm. you know? So he's, I like that. Yeah, he's changed me a lot in that way. It's certainly not a novel concept that, that happiness is not related to all the sort of things that we kind of believe are going to make us happy, like, you know, the car, the house, the job, Mm -hmm. you know, the income or the 401k or whatever it is, we know like Mm -hmm. these, this is not the recipe for happiness. And yet we still continue to blindly chase these things. And when we look at these blue zone cultures, it really is about, you know, it's, it's like villages raising people together in a Mm -hmm. more communal way of living where, Mm -hmm. where they're so interwoven with Mm -hmm. each other's lives. And that's a huge aspect of health, happiness, longevity, you know, 
peace of mind, and all of these so sorts of things. And we've really moved away from that as a culture. Simple. Yeah. And I mean, Los Angeles of all places, I mean, it's, this is the most fractured totally. city. Any, I mean, I've, totally. I've lived in lots of cities. I know you have, and it's just, it's very, very difficult to cultivate community here. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's, he's sort of shed some light on, um, you know, where it's a smart place to live and you want to live in a place where you can ride your bike and mm-hmm. walk into town and you know your neighbors. And I always sort of lived up on a hill somewhere and isolated and I thought that was great to have a beautiful view. And now I'm close to a, a major town and I ride my bike in for dinner and mm-hmm. I know my neighbors and we'll walk into, you know, the local restaurant together and it's nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like it. I feel like I'm part of a community. So I'm Yeah, learning. this is uh this is this is a nice neighborhood. It's yeah. very it's kind of like desperate housewives kind of <laughs> Don't you know say I mean? that. Not in a pejorative way, but like <laughs> nice houses suburban. and like No. But you're, just because I don't live up in the <laughs> mountains like you guys do. I'm, well, we're isolated for sure. Yeah. But we're we're we have our own commune though, right? Yeah. Now. So yeah. we just bring everybody on our yeah. place. I'm in, I'm in the studio city commune. Yeah, but it's nice. <laughs> I mean you can you can ride your bike right down the street. There's all yeah. those restaurants and it's all right there. It's cool. It's pretty great. It's yeah. pretty great. Dan would prefer Minneapolis because, mm. you know, he's like the mayor of Minneapolis, for God's sake. Well, why would you leave that? Um, 25 below zero. Hello. (laughs) He likes it though. I think (laughs) on some level. I know you need to take him out here, go bike riding. So he gets addicted to the. And and conversely, how has your perspective kind of shifted, you know, how he relates to food? I mean, has that had an impact on him? Oh yeah, it has. I think as much as he was a healthy eater before, he didn't get the, um, the compassionate side of it, like looking at what happens to animals, the awareness part of it. I think he mm-hmm. was into the health part of it, but he didn't really get that whole side. His his father's a big hunter, as are his brothers, and and I love them all. They're terrific people, but it's just it didn't occur to him or them. And so, you know, I'm I sort of send him the videos and I say, check this out. And this is how, you know, cause he still eats fish. And so I'm always sending right. him fish videos and everything, <laughs> you know, and, uh, Dr. Michael Greger videos about, <laughs> Oh, he's gotten a yeah. few of those. Yeah. <laughs> Nutritionfacts.org. Uh-huh. And, uh, so he, he's, um, he's getting that awareness. You know, we were just in vacation on, in Sicily and, um, we're having the greatest time. And, and then I came across this dog that was on a chain a two foot chain and he was chained there. And I just, I lost it. I, I just still have nightmares about this dog and I'm trying to get him, you know, a good home. And, uh, and Dan said, you know, he said, Kathy, you know, there was a day that I wouldn't have thought twice about that. And he said, it doesn't upset me as much as it does you, mm-hmm. but I'm 50% farther along now. So, and that makes me feel so good. So I've affected him. Mm-hmm. I've turned on a light for him. He's not where I am, you know, and, and I may not be where he is with biking, you know, but he's leaning in. He's he's investigating. He's curious about it. He's you know he's aware now. Right. And so I'm 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 happy about that. When you you know you're in this sort of rarefied air as somebody you know you've been on Oprah, you've been on Doctor Oz, you've been on the Ellen Show multiple times, and you, so with that you're writing on the Huffington Post. Like you have a very kind of visible profile. And your philosophy is this lean-in philosophy, but I would imagine, like, if I were you, like, I would be very, like, sort of self-conscious when I go out into the world, like, oh, my God, everyone's looking at me to be this sort of idealized version of what I talk about. Do you, like, feel that pressure or, you know, how do you carry that mantle of responsibility? Mm. Well, 
A, thank you. B, I never think about people looking at me to tell you the truth. But, um, but, and on the other hand, I am aware that, you know, I, I better have my proverbial, you know, what together. Um, but I talk about leaning in. So if mm-hmm. I'm not perfect, then that's okay. If, you're consistent in your message. I'm consistent <laughs> yeah. in my message, you know. And by the way, just let me make it clear. I'm 100% vegan, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, and I don't wear leather, but I still wear wool, for instance. And I just saw this PETA video about wool and I got to tell you, I'm freaking devastated, you know. So I understand what it's like to be in the position of just becoming aware of something. Mm-hmm. And yet not having the alternative ready, set, go, you -hmm. know, like, oh my God, it's getting cold. I need to wear a sweater. If I don't have wool, what do I do? So in a way, it reminds me of what people are dealing with when they get the awareness about animals and how they become meat. So like they have the awareness, but they don't know what the heck to do Mm -hmm. because I'm now in that position with wool. So I'm going to do the same thing that I've always done, which is I have the awareness now. And my intention is to move away from animal products. My intention is to be someone who doesn't use or wear or eat anything from an animal. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's my intention. My intention, I'm going to lean forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that is my message and that is what I embody. And so hopefully, you know, I will find the alternatives and I will live up to what I talk about, which right. is better and well, better. The good news is, is there's more and more alternatives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if like 10 years ago, if you wanted to find shoes that weren't made out of leather, that's a tall order. Yeah. You, know, you can wear, you know, Chuck Taylors, but yeah. Yeah, that's about it. But and not now, if you live in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. Time. Like what are you going to do? So, yeah. but now there's lots of, you know, lots yeah. of new fabrics and new, you know, materials that they're using in, in, in you know, yeah. all kinds of garments. So, that's good. But I was sort of thinking, I kind of think on some level that there's this sort of punk rock thing going on with you because hmm. you are, you know, you have a face made for television and you have the opportunity to be on TV and to, and to spread this message. But so you're working within the system, within the structure of, you know, mainstream media, but then you go on and then you drop these bombs, <laughs> you know, like I remember this was years before I met you, but I think it was on one of those like nightly entertainment shows like ET or extra or something like that. And, and you come on and you start talking about forks over knives. And I was like, they're talking about forks over knives on like extra, like, that's crazy. You know, like, how did that happen? You know, like, how do you, so you're like, you're finding these little like ways of like nudging in and then like getting the word out to like a massive audience. Oh, thank you. I, I've been, I'm super lucky to have worked with people who are open-minded and who are mm. willing to take the risk to talk about these things on major networks. So that's yeah, pretty. It's like extras about like, you know, George Clooney getting married. It's not about <laughs> like, you know, some obscure documentary, you know, that you can get on Netflix. Yeah. It's not obscure. It went mainstream, but in no small part to like, the kind of things that you were doing to try to get it out to the masses. Oh, thanks. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely um, speaks to the culture that things are starting to change. Mm-hmm. That those those things are on the air now. You know, living in this capitalist world, you know, then the dairy industry is sure to be in touch with a network or that particular show and say, "Well, you're saying this, so we want mm-hmm. equal airtime about you know why dairy is good for you." So that's also the world we live in. You know. Yeah. So, uh, 
so because there's so much advertising for meat and dairy and eggs and all that stuff, it just takes, it takes people showing up in various places, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's in the community or on their football team or on extra or, you know, in, you know, extreme sports or in the legal world, whatever, it's just going to take, you know, all these points of light coming together in massive ways. Right, right, right. I mean, when I look at Dr. Oz, for example, I feel like this is not based on lo- logic or evidence, but just my intuition um, is that he's super into the whole plant-based thing, but he's constricted because mm. that's such a cash cow, that show. And the advertising base is so powerful that it drives the content. So mm-hmm. he will have, you know, Dr. Esselstyn on and Rip Esselstyn, and they'll talk about these things, but he'll always sort of leave it with a caveat. Well, if you're going to do this, make mm. sure, you know, like it's sort, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, it's almost, I almost feel like he's being forced to say something at the end that will placate the advertisers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, as someone who's been on the show and probably knows the guy, like, is that fair, do you think? I mean, it's the realities of, of, of a television show that is so popular and so, you know, controversy aside with him lately, you know, yeah. basically beloved and, and generates a tremendous amount of income for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, um, and, you know, I think shows like Dr. Oz um, and Oprah and Ellen, I mean, they have a legal team that is always advising them what they can and can't say. And so Mm -hmm. they probably stay within those parameters and present compelling information for their viewer to make their own choice, you Mm -hmm. know. And so what I think is important is to always bring in the ethical argument as well, because, You know, when you look at the rise of the paleo diet, which makes me want to tear my hair out, you know, and I I just think some very charismatic people can make junk science sound really plausible. And so that's always going to be out there, you know, and and you're going to, people are going to think, but I just read, you know, Time Magazine that butter is back. And so therefore... Isn't butter good for you? So there's always going to be that silly science mm-hmm. um, that. But people would say, "Well, it's on Time Magazine. How silly is it?" You know, and yeah. I think this 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 sort of drives that confusion. Yeah. You know, suddenly, butter is is the thing. Mm-hmm. We've all thought it was bad. Now suddenly, it's good. Is it good? Is it not good? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't it? What's wrong with the paleo diet? You know, everyone yeah. seems to be loving it. Yeah. Well, the, everyone seems to be loving it because why wouldn't you love something when someone tells you you should be eating the things that you love, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> it's like you get you get a you get a big stamp of approval. Um, and you and I both know that there's the, the, every bit of respectable science would say that that's absurd, and and a plant based diet is. For sure, for so many different reasons, um, better for you. But, you know, that's why it's really important to talk about the ethical side of things, too, because that, that no matter what you hear about health, there's always the, the reality of what animals go through as they become our food. And that's something that we have to pay attention to because we're not just a health 
uh, mind. We're not just our physical bodies. Mm -hmm. We are our consciousness. We are awareness. We are the soul. We are the whatever you want to call it, the spirit, you know, that's something that, um, that's not going to change with a study that comes out saying one thing or the other. Mm -hmm. That's it's, it's, you know, I watch those videos of what happens to animals and it's vexatious to my soul. It feels repulsive. And I just think if I don't have to do that, if I don't have to participate in that, why would I? Mm-hmm. Not only that you don't have to, but if you don't, you'll actually be doing something good for the planet. Yeah. And you'll be doing something good for yeah. yourself. And there is that ephemeral sort of, you know, aspect of shifting your consciousness, which I think is difficult for people to grasp. I mean, I've experienced it. I know it to be very real and tangible. Um but until you experience it, it's difficult to grasp, I think. And so it's hard for people to jump on the bandwagon on that alone. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to watch those videos. It's like, oh, it's, it's painful. The... And with all the laws in place, it's not like that kind of stuff is mainstream. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's challenging, you know, and our whole system is set up to prevent us from mm-hmm. understanding or being connected to that yeah. aspect of where our food comes from. And I think that's very telling actually. And I think that that's, you know, there's something in humans that we are innately compassionate, empathic people. And it's almost a defense mechanism that we don't want to look at it, you know? Well, because if we do, we know we'll have that reaction and then we'll have to change our behavior and we don't want to change. Then what? Who wants to change, Kathy? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And who wants to think about... what we've done all this time. I mean, I think about, my God, what what have I contributed to? You know, what have I been doing? And what if you get that awareness and you just think, holy crap, you know? And uh, It's too much dissonance. Yeah, yeah. So we walk a fine line. Like how do you, you introduce information and awareness little by little? And I'm not even saying as an activist to other people, but to yourself, mm-hmm. you know? I don't want to shut down because I think if I see too much... I watch too much, I will, I will just get so depressed, but I have to, as an activist, push myself to stay aware. So I have to, I have to keep, you know, watching things, but I don't want to become so inundated that I become paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So once again, if we can lean into it, you know, Mm -hmm. if we can just push ourselves forward little by little in ways that are comfortable, but agitating. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to become embittered either. Because yeah. then the way that you communicate with the world becomes alienating yeah. rather than embracing. And that's what a lot of activists start doing when they first get the awareness. Like I remember when I first got it, I was like, oh my God, I want to shout it from the rooftops and you know, stop people from putting that fork into their mouth and saying, mm-hmm. do you know what it is? So you know, it's like when we first get it, you're filled with this vim and vigor. But as you as you watch what works, what doesn't work, you sort of kind of fine tune your message. Yeah. I mean, I have a theory. I think that for people that are strident animal activists, they're, you know, it's possible that they're just, they came out of the womb more sensitive than Mm. other people. They have a really finely tuned Mm. sensitivity meter. And so when they start to understand how animals are treated for food, it, it, it becomes so intolerable to them. And then when they start to speak to that to the world and the world doesn't see it the way that they see it or doesn't respond the way that they want to want them to respond to it there's a a gradual sort of frustration that Mm. begins to build that Mm -hmm. that slowly transitions into Mm -hmm. anger and bitterness right so because 
they just see the world differently and they can't understand why other people aren't seeing it the way that they see it. So of course you're going to get angry. Yeah. That's going to be the end result of that. Yeah. And, but just to remind yourself, where does it get you? Where does it get the animals? You know, how, how, how does it, how does it affect the animals for you to be that way? Because ultimately if you're, if you're an ambassador for them, you just got to always keep them in mind. You know, and then you look at someone like you who's like out there being a super athlete and, you know, having a, a this cool, uber cool family and, you're, you know, just the way you've made choices in your life. And it sort of informs people like you don't have to be this rigid person. Well, and I didn't get into it because of an ethical concern. That was right. not my entry point. And there's all different kinds of entry points for different kinds of people. I've become much more sensitized and aware and educated and compassionate and active in, uh, you know, in those issues. But I think that, you know, for me, like if, if, if I had watched Earthlings mm-hmm. documentary in 2005, I don't know what the impact of that would have been on me. It might've just turned me off to the whole thing. Like I, that was not, you know, I came into it because I, I started to feel that be- I wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't because of you know, I was very selfish, mm-hmm. right? So my consciousness has shifted. I perceive it differently now. And now as, you know, someone who wants to continually grow and mm-hmm. expand, how can you not, you know, start to look at this and speak to it? And it's great f- to see you as a man and as an athletic man, you know, talk about it because it sort of allows other guys who may, you know, live with that myth of, oh, man, you need to you know, eat a lot of meat to be strong and powerful. So it's really important for men like you who are athletic, who are, you know, you're a lawyer by training and for you to be advocating this stuff, it's really powerful. Well, it's very tricky because it's can be perceived as a threat to your masculinity. And if there's anything like a man wants to protect or preserve or sort of, um, you know, emote to the world, it's a sense of, you know, masculinity being, Mm. what does it mean to be a man? And I think it begs the question of really looking at that definition and saying, well, what does it really mean to be a Mm -hmm. man? You know, does it, does going to the grocery store and picking up uh, hamburger patties and grilling them, Mm -hmm. does that make me more of a man? Like what, what are we really talking about here if we're getting honest? And I think you have to, and I'm compassionate towards other men because, you know, they want, it's, it's, it's to say like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, then that brings up uh, questions of identity that mm. become very threatening. Mm-hmm. And so it's not an easy Mm-mm. thing. You know? Which is so great that you're talking about it. And your entry oh. point was health, you know, so it's not like um, you, you're, you were coming out as an animal rights person at all, you mm-hmm. know? So no, not at you, all. Not yeah. at all. Um, so what are you going to do now? What's next? What are you working on? Well, I'm starting a book for young adults to talk about, um, you know, being veganish and mm-hmm. not uh, eating animal products, and you know how to talk to your parents and and articulating, you know, what you're what what's going on on the planet environmentally, and because these are the kids who are going to sort of be our future. Mm-hmm. You know, we're handing our world as sullied as it is off to these kids, so want to help them articulate what it is, you know, that they want and how to talk about it. So I think that's great. I mean, that's the future, you know, and Mm. I think that my experience with young people is that they are much more open and willing and interested 
in these sorts of things. Like it's, it's, it's difficult to take somebody who's in their thirties or forties and say, mm. you have to change your whole relationship to food. Yeah. But you take a teenager in the age of the internet, they mm-hmm. they don't know what it's like not to be able to be online yeah. and the level of information that's available to them and the sort of transparency that, that comes with that uh, has infused that generation with mm-hmm. uh, a level of awareness and sensitivity um, that we didn't have when we yeah. were kids. And it's so, it's really, you know, it's easy to bash on millennials, but, you know, I find that, you know, most of the young people I meet are incredibly worldly because mm-hmm. they have access to so much yeah, more than right? we did, you know, right. at, an, at, a, at at their fingertips. And so they know about all different kinds of stuff. And, and I think that the internet has allowed, um, like I said, that level of transparency where you can find, you know, certainly there's a lot of nonsense on the internet, but if you really want to figure something out, uh, you can find it. And yeah. we, you know, what did we do? We go to the library and use the Dewey Decimal yeah. System to try to find a I book mean, that was written 50 years ago God. about something. Or, you you know, can, it's yeah. like, how did we know anything? I mean, you know? I think of that video, Meet Your Meat, that you know, PETA did for a while back with Alec Baldwin. And it was like, oh my God, that was mind blowing. But I couldn't have seen that 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, they didn't have videos that were circulating virally. Or just even information about, you know, how the government operates. Like we would go to high school and we'd read our history books and, you know, we'd learn how, you know, there's the -hmm. the legislative branch and the executive branch and the judicial branch, you know, but all right, well, how's government really functioning? Like, what is the impact of of political fundraising and, you know, is, you know, unless you were reading the New York times every day, yeah. but now, you know, with things like, uh, you know, I don't know, everything from anonymous to, yeah. uh, you know, we can find out the reality behind the reality, yeah. you know, and kids are into that. Yeah. And so I think consciousness and awareness about where our food is coming from, how it's manufactured is, is really infusing them with a level of, of consciousness and awareness that we just and didn't have the opportunity totally. to Totally. And they're going to be, the, they're the future consumers. They're, they're going to be the ones who are shopping for their families and raising children and mm-hmm. starting businesses. So they're, they're a good group to, to communicate with. So this is exciting. What, do you yeah. have a title for the book yet? I'm thinking veganish. Veganish. Yeah. We did veganist. So now you just you're <laughs> well, changing the T with you know, an H. And I wish I kind of, you know, as much as I explained that veganist, you know, is is about, you know, someone who's just super interested in like an artist or a violinist or a pacifist. You're super interested in that subject that it's not something that's militant or anything. Mm-hmm. I think it, it sometimes it can come across as that way even though it wasn't intended that way and and now I find so many people who, you know, if I'll say, oh, really, are you vegan? And they'll say, well, not really, but, you know, mostly. And I thought, veganish. That's mm-hmm. cool. Listen, if the world were veganish, we'd be in so much better shape. You know, right. the, the environment would clean up. We wouldn't have all these diseases, um, so much less animal cruelty. So veganish, that, that'd be awesome. That'd right. be great. Yeah, I mean, so many parents contact us and they're like, you know, I want to do this, but, you know, my kids aren't going to eat it. But it works the other way, too. You mm-hmm. get the kids interested in it and then they're the ones who are changing their parents. Isn't that great? Which is cool, right? Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So are you doing any are you doing any public speaking things? You've been traveling around doing that kind of thing or no? 
I'm not a I, No, you don't like it. I, I remember get, when I saw you at the seed and you're like, I'm uh, getting out of my comfort zone doing this because I don't really like doing I this. I get butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> I, I love talking to one person like this or, you know, I, I But your love, TED talk was great. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. I, I, you I, you're not happy with it? I, no, no. no I'm, Speaking from someone who's on television all the time, come on. Being on TV is different. I feel like I'm talking to one person. Like if I'm on Ellen, I'm talking to Ellen. If I'm mm. not on Charlie Rose, I'm talking to him. If I'm in a room full of people, I'm talking out. I'm just, you know, by my nature, I'm actually an introvert. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shy. I, you know, I, uh, I, I get easily overwhelmed by a crowd. It may not appear that way, but, but I am. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not like I won't go out and do talks. It's just, you know, it's not my forte. It's not your thing. Well, yeah. you just have to find that one person in the audience that you can like make eye contact with and then just pretend that person is Ellen, right? <laughs> okay. That's, that's what you need That to should do. help. Okay. <laughs> I'll give that a try. So I want to walk through like a day in the life of food with you, mm. like breakfast, lunch, dinner, waking up, mm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So so I get up pretty early. I get up when it gets light and um, I have my tea first. So I have tea with soy creamer and then I usually make something. Why soy and not almond or Because it tastes better. Okay. <laughs> I'm not an anti-soy person. I love the soy creamer and, you know, do coconut creamer or whatever. But, and then... Um, and then I'll have either oatmeal made with apples and walnuts or one of my mm-hmm. favorite is brown rice. I make brown rice like two or three times a week in a big rice cooker and I save it, you know, through the week and I have it for breakfast, sometimes for dinner. I chop up dates and then I work out, I do either a big bike ride, thanks to Dan, or I do, um, I work out in the gym or I do yoga or something and then I have a, a green smoothie with coconut water and peanut butter and frozen kale and um, some protein powder. And then for lunch, I usually, you know, mix up some, I get a farm box every Wednesday. Mm. So I get whatever vegetables they're sending over. So I make some, um, you know, maybe yams and you know, broccoli and some black eyed peas. I just, I Keep it's it simple. All really simple. Super stuff, simple. I'm right. not a very good cook, but I actually uh-huh. like simple food. And my favorite flavors are olive oil, salt, garlic. Mm-hmm. So if if I can put those, you know, I can I can almost you have can make, everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember when we had that dinner here the other night, Dan did all the cooking. You're like I'm no mm-hmm. fool. <laughs> He's great. I, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. like, great. I will set the table. I will serve the wine and you make your delicious um, curries. And he's, he's, he's like that old fashioned Italian who loves to right. cook. You know? Right, right, so right. And I, he's going to outlive us all. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. probably, probably, yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on yet was your change.org uh, petition to try to get McDonald's to introduce uh, a plant-based entree mm-hmm. option, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. walk me through like how did that start and kind of w- what happened with that? Well, I'm a girl who loves fast food. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm traveling and sometimes I just want to grab something and I grew up on McDonald's and, you know, I, I, I just loved the idea of maybe having a veggie burger at McDonald's, you know, if I'm on the road or whatever. And so I thought it'd be so nice to have something for everyone. It's not like I think that they should turn into a vegetarian restaurant, but it would be be nice if they had 
something that my meat-eating friends could eat and something that I could have. And um, again, it's all about progress, not perfection. So I started this change.org um, petition and got a lot of great response and also got a lot of really negative mm-hmm. yeah, response. Yeah, it was definitely like sort of polarizing, right, in the community. I It's hard for me to get my head around because I got so many nasty um, tweets from vegans and saying, you know, I'm holding out for them to be shut down. I'm like... It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. McDonald's is not going to yeah. shut their doors. So, you know, and people, they serve, you know, millions of meals every day. So those people are going to keep going to McDonald's no matter what. So why not give them a wholesome plant-based option? Because mm-hmm. they're going to get something. So why not have something that's, you know, healthier and more humane as an option? And, uh, you know... It just it it just it makes total sense to me to um, provide something for everyone, and so um, there was a whole lot of press around it. You yeah, know? definitely got a lot of attention. Yeah, it was it was really exciting, and um, and I'm talking with them. Right. Oh, you are cool. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah, I was interested because I didn't I didn't I wanted the follow up like what did it what did it actually yeah. lead to yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes to, you know, this idea we were talking about before, which is working within the structure and the system that currently exists. It's the world we live in. And and to, to try to, that's why I think, you know, people who are holding out for perfection and saying, you know, well, we're not going to we're not going to sign something or hope that McDonald's does this because we're going to hold out perfection. I just think well, you know, there's going to be a lot of animals that die while you're waiting for perfection. And there's going to be a whole lot of people getting sick while you're waiting for perfection. So why wouldn't you just push for getting better and better? Mm -hmm. I think that voice is important though. I mean, you need people saying that. For sure. But you need people saying what you're saying as well. So I think there's room for Mm -hmm. all of those voices and they're all important and they all have their place. But Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, sometimes when you take that super hard line, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't translate into anything changing. And so to sort of accept like, well, McDonald's is here, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day it will get shut down or people will stop going, but mm-hmm. not in the foreseeable decade. Right. Mm-hmm. So how can we, how can we, you know, at least make, make a small change within this structure that might provide somebody with yeah, an and- alternative and it, you know, Julie and I always talk about, we call it, you know, meeting people where they're at. So mm-hmm. if people are going to McDonald's. If you can put something on the menu, that would be a better choice. That yeah. would be an alternative. You know, that's, that's part of leaning in. Is and it not? McDonald's is a corporation that's interested in making money and how great to show them that a plant-based option can make money. Mm-hmm. Because profitability is profitability. what's going to make change, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So wouldn't it be wonderful if we got the right, you know, item or two or three on the menu and they just took off? Like at Chipotle, you know, the sofritas have mm-hmm. taken off. I mean, they're just wildly popular. So when companies see that that stuff is successful, you know, it's like silk is owned by a dairy company. But so that dairy company, you know, some people might say, I'm not going to buy silk because it's owned by a dairy company. I don't want to support that. But isn't it great to show that company that mm-hmm. um, that plant-based milks do really well and so they're going to put more resources behind those products? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the way things change? Well, it's just, it's it's being, it's, it's being in the world as being, you yeah. know, a realist, yeah. I think. Yeah. And believe me, I'd love nothing more than, 
you know, for everybody to turn vegan overnight forever and ever and everybody be, you know, happy. But since I don't live in fantasy land, I'm going to do the best I can in whatever way I can to just nudge the needle forward. And like Mm -hmm. you said, then there's the other people who want, you know, really massive change and they're going to, they're going to do things in their more extreme way. And it, and it takes all kinds. It takes that voice too. You you need all those voices. Absolutely. So when you get that kind of vitriol headed in your direction, like how do you manage that? Like, what do you, what is your, how do you respond to that? Do you just ignore I, it or I, do you engage? I, I, I grow a really thick skin yeah. to tell you the truth. I uh, used to engage and then I, I realized that some people just don't want to have a real conversation about it and they don't really want to, you know, under, understand each other. They just want to sort of hear their own voice. And um, so that a part I don't engage with, but I, I just think that uh, I've grown a really thick skin, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, part of the whole thing that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you take a stand on anything, you're going to divide people. Yeah. There's going to be, especially in the internet age, yeah. you know, there's going to be negative vibrations coming in your direction. And if they're not, then maybe you're not taking a stand on anything. Right. Maybe you don't have conviction about anything. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not you know? fun. <laughs> it kind of sucks. Those are the martini <laughs> nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, it's like, uh, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that to you, but. Um, That's I, fine. <laughs> Listen, if I could, I would. Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, yeah. sometimes I just, I, I just think um, people can be so mean and they don't realize, you know, that. It's like sometimes if I write a blog and I read the comments, I just think, do they think I'm not a person? Do I, mm-hmm. do I not have feelings? You know, I, every one of those comments, you know, it, it makes a difference to me. Um, but over the years, because I've written so many blogs and gotten so many of those comments, I just realized that that's all part of the process. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. All right. But that's not, I'm not saying that people out there that are listening should send you a negative tweet, right? Be nice. I'm sensitive. (laughs) Yeah. Remember, I'm a little introvert. Well, a lot of that is, it just, it says more about who they are than it's, it's not about you. It's about them and whatever they're going through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't always make it feel better. We're all human. Mm -hmm. You know, we all want people to like us. Right. Or I do. (laughs) Well, you know, you want people to like you, but you're putting out a message that is sometimes difficult for people to digest, yeah, right? So, yeah, and it's not about me. And that's, that's the thing that I, I always remind myself. I just think, you know, girl, this is not about you anyway. Mm-hmm. So just relax, put your ego aside and just do what you think is the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. if people don't like me on the way, then that's okay. That's right. their choice, you know? Cool, man. Well, we got to wrap it up here. So good but to talk to you. This was delightful. Thank you so much you're for such having a love. me on. Yeah. You too, you this too. This great. Yeah. Um, let's do it again let's when your do book it. comes out. Oh, I'd love that. Right? And when's uh, when's Dan coming back? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. We got to get him back soon. because I got to- got to take gotta, him on a bike ride. I'm, I'm here. I'm waiting for it. Dan, if you're listening, come <laughs> on, man. Get out on two wheels in Malibu Canyon and let's show him around. I think that would do it. And uh, maybe talk him into doing the podcast too. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. What is he working on right now? He's got a new book coming out called The Blue Zone Solution. And it's mm-hmm. about taking this philosophy and bringing it into cities and helping them get um, get healthier. And so it's basically bringing the blue zones home mm-hmm. into your own community, into your own house. and Create making, your own blue zone. Yeah, create your own blue zone, mm-hmm. getting healthy without trying too hard. Cool. Yeah. I like it. When is that coming out? 
It's coming out, I believe, in March. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to start promoting it probably in January. And do you have a release date for your book yet? No. No? Mm-mm. It's just ongoing. Yeah. And are you, who, what publisher are you working with? It's on Potter. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Right on. All right. Well, if you're digging on Kathy, the best way to connect with her is to go to her website, kathyfreston.com. And you're on Twitter at Kathy Freston. You're on Facebook at kathyfreston.veganist, right? Good memory. Where else? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, Kathy Freston. Yeah, I'm really there. original. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you want to meet her in person, she's not doing speaking engagements right now. So that's going to be tricky, right? Unless I push myself no. out of my comfort zone. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You should. Yeah. I'm leaning in. All right. Cool. No TV appearances coming up? Not right this second. No. I'm just writing. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about the new book. Thanks. Rich. And uh, if you want to read Kathy's works, um, she's got a bunch of books. Your most recent is The Lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then before that, Veganist. Before that, Quantum Wellness. Mm-hmm. These are all... New York Times bestsellers, are they not? Lucky for me. Dude, you're going to have to teach me how to get on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Believe me, I I pinch myself. It's really cool. Thank you. And you can go back into the archive and read the one and expect a miracle, right? No? She's like... (laughs) <laughs> now, is it? Do you go back and read your old books and go, ugh? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. I go back and read my one book that I've written. And I'm like, why did I say that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And you grow, you change. You know, mm-hmm. it's like your language. Well, hopefully, is you do. You should. You yeah. know. Yeah. 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 Well, that I think that's a good sign. Mm. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anything else? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank feel, you. Thank you. You feel okay? I feel, feel good. good. Do we do good. it? I think yeah. we did it. Have an apple. All right. I'm going to take a bite out of the fake <laughs> apple. Next time I come here, that better be filled with fresh, locally grown produce, Kathy. You got it. All right? You got it. I have you my You need mandate. to lean in a little more on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks, Rich. Okay, everybody. That's it. We're done. The podcast is over. I hope you enjoyed Kathy. I find her to be inspiring and delightful. And I hope you enjoyed the idea of leaning in because I think we all have something that we can lean into a little bit better, right? So please, if you haven't already, give us a review on iTunes. We're approaching a thousand reviews. It would be great to hit that. So please do me a solid. Let's make that happen. Come on, you guys, stop being lazy. I know you're out there. You thought about doing it. You just didn't get around to it. Help a brother out. Uh, Want to stay current with all things plant-powered? Again, subscribe to my newsletter at richroll.com. The only way to get exclusive content, deals, sales, discounts on products. We have a Halloween deal coming up. So if you don't want to miss it, you got to subscribe. I will not spam you. I'll send you a weekly podcast update and, again, information on these deals and offers. And in the future, we're going to be building out the newsletter to be providing helpful, additional, uh, exclusive content. And of course, go to richroll.com for all your plant-powered needs and go to mindbodygreen.com for my online courses. If you want to support the show, the Plant Power Mission, simply tell a friend. Use the Amazon banner ad and you can even donate. There are buttons on my website right there on the homepage. You can choose a dollar amount. You can do it once, weekly, monthly, whatever you like. We appreciate everybody who has extended themselves in that regard. It really means a lot to us. And keep Instagramming. 
I love it when you guys share how the hows, the whens, the whys of, of enjoying the show in visual form. Just don't forget to tag me at Rich Roll there. Okay, let's close with this week's assignment. What I want you to do this week is to identify something in your life that you have failed to start or have failed to begin because you're afraid. Something's holding you back. Something inside of you is preventing you from starting whatever it is that you aspire to, I suppose I could say, because you simply just don't have it all figured out yet. You're afraid to fail or you're waiting until you know what and how to do it first. That's wrong. Take that idea and just put it into motion. Make a list of a few very easy, accessible tasks that are simple to accomplish. For example, you want to learn guitar? Well, why don't you go online and find out who in your area is teaching it? What is the rate? Buy something at the market good for you you've never tried before. Don't wait until you find the ultimate running shoe for you before you go out and run. Just go out for a jog, even if for 10 minutes in your lousy cloth hoppers or your socks or barefoot. I don't care. You get the idea. It's about motion. It's about action. It's about momentum. It's about progress, not perfection. It's about leaning in. See you next week. Peace. Plants. Yeah.